Are you using your voice in your business? Having a podcast is the fastest way to become a thought leader in your space. It not only builds your confidence, but it builds a reputation for you as an expert in your field. Many women have told me they don't have time to go through my eight-week podcast launch. Well, introducing the White Glove Podcasting VIP Experience. We will get your podcast up and launched in one week. This includes creating, naming, marketing your podcast, getting comfortable with recording, finding your unique voice, and launching with confidence. This is a luxury experience where you'll be guided by me personally through the process. If you've been thinking of launching a podcast and you're looking for a sign, this is it. Use the link in the show notes to schedule a call to learn more. Podcasting has changed my life and 10X'd my business. Let's leap into your next level together. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. You've heard of the glass ceiling, but what about the glass ledge? Of course, there are some real barriers and biases against women, but are we internalizing it, making it a reason to stop us? My guest today is encouraging women to focus on the things we can control and how we can perceive ourselves when we are paving the way through the business world. It is the uncomfortable conversations with yourself that makes the difference. Are you in the hustle? Addicted to busy? We are talking today about how to get off the hamster wheel of your business. But first, if I told you there was a 4% chance of rain, would you leave the house in a raincoat, boots, and grab an umbrella? Of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't let a 4% chance of rain ever even enter your mind. Or would you? Studies show that only 4% of what we worry about actually happens. Just 4%. And yet we're up all night worrying about all of those what-ifs. All that for a 4% chance of anything actually happening. There is a whole 96% of life we're missing when we're focused on the 4%. It's not that you're a worrier. It's that the 96% feels more uncomfortable somehow. The 96% where things are going well, possibilities are endless. There are two worlds. One where you're living comfortably in your fear and limitations and victimhood, and another world where you're living in your divine freedom and possibility. And whatever you focus on, you get more of. I wanna know where you're spending most of your days. Are you in the 4% or the 96%? Take my limiting beliefs quiz. Find out what's really blocking you. Grab the link in my bio. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Today, we are talking to Iman Ubu. She is an award-winning entrepreneur, author, published scientist, and former beauty queen on a mission to democratize publishing using the power of AI. 
Through her diverse experience in business, pageantry, and STEM, Iman noticed a gender disparity in the workforce and bias across printed and digital media representation of women, which inspired her to initially launch Sway in 2017 as a MediaTek platform providing content creation, support, and editorial tools to underrepresented voices and thought leaders. Her podcast, Women Who Sway, which was syndicated by media conglomerate Westwood One, was number two on iTunes and was ranked in the top five podcasts for women entrepreneurs by Inc. Magazine. Iman has also recently written and published her first book, The Glass Ledge, How to Break Through Self-Sabotage, Embrace Your Power, and Create Your Success. Welcome to the show, Iman. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to do this. I mean, you are quite the powerhouse, so I am thrilled to have you here to ask you about all the things. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> okay. It's a it's nice break for you because you're always podcasting. So this time you get to relax and let me interrupt. Yeah, no, I actually, I, I haven't done my podcast in a while. I stopped doing that in probably 2019 or so. I think that was our last season. Oh, no, things okay. got busy with the whole running the business is a different part of, you know, actually hosting the podcast and creating the content, which is how it all started for me. But uh, we had a great run with the podcast, but now I get to be on other people's podcasts like yours and support you in, in your own conversations. Well, I appreciate you, warrior woman. Thank you for joining me. All right, Iman, I love to ask the question, was there anything in your childhood or growing up that pointed to the woman you've become today? That's interesting that you asked that because I start the book actually with a prologue and just a quick intro around my move from Morocco to America slash Colorado specifically when I was 15 years old. And in a way, I don't know if that counts as a childhood or more like teenage years, but that was a big pivotal moment in my life that I think has completely transformed me into the woman I am today obviously moving into a whole new country that you've never been to before and speak in a new language that you've never, that you probably failed in school. I think at that point in Morocco, I failed English. I spoke only French and Arabic and I had never been to America and even on vacation. And all of a sudden my parents out of nowhere actually decided that maybe America was the way to go for their children's future American dream and opportunities. So, you know, they kind of made a decision on their own. And then one day they just kind of broke the news over dinner and, you know, next thing you know, we're kind of packing up, leaving our entire family behind my entire childhood and just life as I knew it to start over in a country that I had absolutely no idea what to expect in. And so the cultural shock, you know, the obviously trying to kind of fit in as a teenager, it's already hard enough in your own home country with your own language and your own friends that you've known for so long to really kind of fit in and, and have that experience as a teenager in high school. And now you have to do it as a teenager in a foreign country, not speaking the language and figuring out how high school works in America, which is completely different than how it was in Morocco. So really going through that experience and also having to now become not a child anymore, not a teenager, but rather also act as an adult. My parents didn't speak English, so I kind of had, I'm the oldest, so I had to step up and be their kind of voice um, throughout everything we were doing, whether it's buying a house, buying a car. So mm -hmm. really learning how to navigate a lot of those things uh, that adults dealt with, but for my parents and as a teenager. So really, I think that created such an interesting, I think pivotal 
platform for me to get to know myself a lot more and, and build that confidence early on and really almost mature beyond wow. my age. And also it was really resilience. I know I went through depression as well because I just really didn't have anyone to talk to when I was going through that. And my ultimate way of dealing with it was journaling and just, you know, writing in my diary, writing poems, just any kind of way I could potentially let go of my feelings and just empty my heart out. And actually that's how I fell in love with the power of writing and storytelling because I just really had only journaling to kind of lean into for, for dealing with depression or whatnot. But ultimately I think I found myself again and found my way. And then I, I moved on from the idea that, all right, I'm maybe I'll go back to Morocco one day, you know, that this was my life now. And it was either I accept it and make the best of it, or I, I dwell on it even more and go into more depression, which clearly was not the right choice. So and eventually after a year, I think of battling that feeling and the transition, I finally was able to find myself, integrate myself into the community and really welcome my new life, if you will. Yeah. And you know what? I can imagine it's sort of like being your parents' voice. It, there's It's simultaneously makes you feel great, like empowered and that you're getting this responsibility, this confidence, but then lonely. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm the adult. Like I have to do like, and if it goes wrong, like, hello. Yeah. Like I can imagine like how simultaneously that feels kind of amazing, but then also lonely and like, and powerful, but also like lonely and sad in a way, because you're just like, I guess I'm a grown up now. Like, I guess it's over yeah. for me. Like, I just have to forget my high school life. I'm an adult. Absolutely. And also sometimes, you know, you, you just don't feel like doing any of that as a teenager who spends all day at school. And then you come home and you're like, okay, now I have to get on the phone with a with T-Mobile or a, a mortgage person, you know, like, it's like at that point, you don't really know. And they, they basically, my parents tell me what to say. And then I have to translate it in a way, or I have to go with them to take care of a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's like paperwork. And as a teenager, that's the worst thing you can be assigned to do because oh you God, just want to yeah. have fun and go out and party with your friends and kind of just, I don't know, go play sports, do anything but serious adults because you have the rest of your life to do all of that. But in a way it was a great experience for me. Of course, I think it also brought us a lot closer together as a family to just be there for each other. We have created a much more, you know, in-depth bond than I think what we had in Morocco because they were very busy in Morocco as, as executives and, you know, we kind of had our own life. But after we came to America, it was a great way to bond together through this experience and really try to figure out how to navigate it in a way that was positive. And also that was worth it because there were a lot of sacrifices made along the way. And then for me, I think what affected me the most is watching my parents go from really successful executives with an amazing, obviously, career in life back home to, you know, low paying jobs in America, because we still didn't really know how to navigate the, you know, the landscape, if you will. And also a, a lot of their degrees didn't translate in time. So they basically went from CEOs of companies to cashiers at, you know, 
grocery stores, which to me, having to kind of witness that and see, wow, that's a sacrifice. I'm like, maybe even if I had kids, would I ever do that? That's, that's bold. Right. And so that was a great, and I say this to this day, and I say that in the book as well, is I always had this chip on my shoulder and this driving force in everything that I do. And ultimately I sat down and reflected on where that came from. And it's because I've watched my parents sacrifice so much to give us a beautiful life and to, to give us the opportunity to dream big and be able to create the life we want in a country like America. And to me, I'm like, I can't be average, right? Like you guys went through all of this. I have to make something great out of myself here. I can't just do the bare minimum. So that's always something that, you know, plays in my mind where I get complacent is like, no, this, you know, you're meant to do great things because your parents sacrificed so much. So get out of bed and go get, go after it. Get out of bed. Get out of bed, Ima. I don't, I don't think you're lazing around. Let me just say that. (laughs) Reading all the things you're doing is not like I think you're sitting around doing nothing. Tell me about Sway. Why was this so important for you? Like what, what was the personal kind of touch there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think in a way it was somewhat accidental how I fell into my entrepreneurial career, especially with Sway. As I mentioned earlier, I had a podcast at the time it was called Entrepreneurs in Vogue that I selfishly started back in 2015 because I had just moved to New York. Uh, I competed in Miss New York US and luckily for me, I, I was able to win and get a great platform that also gave me a voice finally. And I didn't really know much about having a voice up until that point of pushing myself outside my comfort zone, going for a competition like a pageant, which I never thought I would ever be able to do, not let alone win one and really emerge out of that as a role model for a lot of young women in my community and a change agent as well. And finally, having a voice that I can now use and leverage to speak on important topics that really were near and to my heart and important to me. And one of them was just the empowerment and the encouragement for women to step into entrepreneurship and really have control over their own career path and not necessarily always feel the need to take that conventional path to success. Even if you went to school for something and you feel like it's no longer what you really love and what your purpose is. It's okay to pivot and go find something else and go try different things until you find really what feeds your heart. And I feel like that narrative was not really told enough to a lot of women, especially young women growing up here and even in countries like Morocco. I know I know that firsthand. So to me, I really wanted to encourage that mindset and thought process. So what I did was use my platform as a former Miss New York now, but, you know, at the time, Miss New York US, someone that had a title and somewhat of a platform and a spotlight, and then create a podcast that really focused on conversations with women who took the the road less traveled, women who took unconventional paths to success, who weren't afraid to test and fail until they found what they were really called for. So that podcast took off, again, to, to my surprise. And this was kind of before the whole Me Too movement, before the women's movement really took off. So I think it was kind of the right timing for it as well. Because of the success of the podcast, I ended up launching a blog that kind of went along with it, where I recapped a lot of the tips and tricks I learned from the women I was interviewing. And uh, ultimately that, you know, grew and expanded and became a whole media brand called Sway, uh, where now we focused on helping women find their own voices and tell their own stories, as opposed to being just another media brand that has 
a whole editorial team focused on creating content that we think women need to read or want to read. It's more like, how can we give the mic to these women who already know their stories, know they have, they could have an impact, but don't necessarily have the tools or support system to be able to create a story around that and push it out there and publish it to yeah. be able to make that impact. So that's, that's really how Sway evolved over time. I love that. I want to talk to you about your book too, uh, The Glass Ledge. So it offers a disruptive guide uh, that explores the 10 most common themes where women tend to derail themselves. It talks about things like power and likability and authenticity and conflict. What made you write this book? That's an interesting question. Uh, Well, a lot of things. I think it was all one timing. Also, I think I was very vocal during my time as first time founder of Sway and how much I also struggled with finding the right support and resources from a capital's perspective and fundraising perspective to really be able to grow the brand to the vision I initially had and also to the reach I was trying to have. But of course, I mean, we're all very familiar with the stats around, you know, sexism in in business as well as the lack of access for women to resources, capital and whatnot. So I went through it myself. I went through obviously a lot of instances that I spoke very openly about where and you know sexual harassment and just really inappropriate interactions with certain investors that kind of fell into the bias and the stereotype of what a female founder should be like. And so I had my whole share of that that I very much spoke about because I wanted to make sure that other women know that they're not alone in that, you know, in that struggle. But also I think a lot of people don't really, that don't experience that on a day-to-day basis, think that that stuff still doesn't exist anymore. And so I really wanted to kind of change the narrative around that. And because of kind of how vocal I was, I, I, I think ultimately I was able to land a great book deal around, okay, well, let's talk more about different other parts of, you know, the struggles and successes women experience in business and what are some common themes that a lot of women struggle with across the board. And so that's ultimately how we landed on the glass ledge as a metaphor, because I think I spent a lot of my years as a founder, especially with Sway, focusing on the external barriers as kind of the reason why I wasn't able to push forward and move forward. Sure, again, those all exist. It's not a fair you know, world we live in, there are a lot of stuff that we need to work on, especially when it comes to women empowerment and really leveling up the playing field for women in business. But also, I think as a result of all those external barriers, I also took those in and internalized them and made them my truth. So I started believing in all the biases I was experiencing every single day. And ultimately, I think around 2018, when I basically hit rock bottom at that point, I had to figure out how to get myself out of it. There was no one that's going to come and give me the funds I need to re-emerge my business. There was no one that's going to come save me out of my misery and depression because my business might be closing down and the funding was not successful and things like that. So I had to take a step back in a way and really reevaluate how I was approaching the situation and also the role I was playing in my outcome. You know, we always have a choice and we always feel we always have a a role that we play in whatever outcome we are experiencing. So being able to objectively evaluate that and be like, okay, 
maybe, yes, there are all these problems outside that I can't control, but let me look at what I can control. And also let me look at the way I perceive myself, because obviously when you go through a tough time, there's a lot of trauma that you don't process properly. And that ends up really filtering your perception of yourself in sometimes a negative way. And so I went through that own exercise for me in 2018 to be able to really re-emerge as you know, a functional person, one, and a functional functional leader and businesswoman, and two, to save my business and be able to create a sustainable business that doesn't rely on other factors to be successful. And that exercise and that kind of reflection period that I went through ended up becoming the content of the book. So, and that's why I explored for myself all like my, what is my relationship with power, which I never had to do before. And it was really because of the constant power imbalance I was experiencing when I was meeting with very powerful people or successful people, or maybe intimidating male investors. I also had to figure out what was my relationship with likability. Do I want to be liked? Do I want to be respected? Does it matter? How do I show up in these meetings? How do people perceive me? How do I see myself? So there was a lot of uncomfortable, I would say, conversations I had with myself. And obviously I had also a therapist that helped me through a lot of that. But I think it was the first time I really sat down and said, you know what, forget the distraction of the outside world. Let me look within first, because you can't go out there and show up in the world in a way that you want, unless you really look within and see, you know, what you're struggling with, how do you perceive yourself and what can you do to control how the outcome you want actually shows up. So that was a little bit of a long answer to how the book came about. (laughs) I mean, you know what I, as a coach for a lot of high level entrepreneurial women, I mean, there's a reason why 2% of female businesses survive after the first year that they make a million dollars. And that's, it's not because their businesses aren't good. (laughs) It's because the mind says things like, I can't do this again. Yeah. I don't know if I can face myself. I feel Mm -hmm. like I don't even know who I am. Your mind will tell you all these things. And you know, the way we perceive things is everything. So I love that you did that and went through that whole exercise yourself. I mean, you really can't control the outcome or anything or anyone. The only thing you control is your thoughts. It gives you a lot of power. It gives you a lot of power when you realize that, you know, the way you're perceiving the meaning that we make of things is everything, you know? So you can make a failure, a perceived failure into the greatest learning of the world and a a source of power for yourself if you turn it that way, you know? So it's amazing that you kind of took some things that probably did derail you and turned it into a guidebook for us. So thanks, Iman, for that. I appreciate you. (laughs) You're welcome. What has been, you think, your hardest lesson? There there are so many. Well, I think during that period of, you know, me hitting rock bottom in 2018, and again, that was not the last time I went through a tough time. I think it's a cycle. I think it's everybody goes through, you know, great times and and bad times. And when you think a bad time is gone and now you're like ready to, enter the rainbow and the sunshine, then another one comes in. But I think for me, it's really learning how to face the storm. To me, the way I have handled some of my recent setbacks have been extremely surprising because that just tells me that I was able to learn a lot from that period of time where going through a tough time actually affected me, not only physically and mentally, and spiritually, but being able to see that as an opportunity to grow out of it. So And the lesson really there is not to think with my emotions. 
which is, I think, a hard lesson to unlearn in a way, because I think we lead with emotions. Sometimes we make decisions based on our emotions. But how do you show up in a way where you use your mind more than your emotions? Because your emotions are going to get the best of you. And if you can't control them in any situation, whether it's good or bad, then I think eventually they end up taking over you. And then that affects you mentally and that affects your performance. And it affects, again, your perception of how you are and how you show up Absolutely. in your most important role. So to me, again, the lesson has been really about how do I continuously check myself and make sure that I'm not leading with emotion, but rather with mind and logic and, and also intuition. Tapping into your intuition is, I think as women, we have that power that we're not nurturing enough. We're, and it's something that we need to continue practicing. I I was a very, very good intuitive growing up when I was a child. I remember that very clearly. There were some experiences where I was like, wow, that my intuition really was right all the time. And I was aware of it. But as you grow up, you learn to tune that down and start just be more logic. And what sometimes you even think the way people expect you to think or expect you to show up. And the idea is, again, how do I trust my intuition more? How do I minimize my emotions and the control they have over me and my decisions? And how do I continuously have that instinct-driven and intentional way of showing up yeah. in the world. Yeah. And you know what? I think, you know, one thing I've educated a lot of the people I work with is on is that there are emotional addictions, that you can be addicted to an emotion the same way you can be addicted to drugs or alcohol. And I, I, I was a, a longtime addict to worry. And I remember when I figured out that that was the case is that I had a moment where there was nothing to worry about. Mm. And I found myself laying in my bed looking <laughs> for something to worry about, Iman. I was scanning my brain. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I got to find something. I know there's something. And then I started laughing. I go, holy shit. Wow. I am looking for something because mm -hmm. I'm so used that record groove is so well-worn mm -hmm. that my mind was literally telling me, oh, be, you better hypervigilance. You better look for it. Let's go. Right. Because of all the trauma and the things I grew up with right. it, like I wanted to be like ready to pounce, you know, and that was such a shock to me. And I see women addicted to pressure, overwhelm, addict. I mean, all addicted to working hard, mm -hmm. all those things. Right. And so that's really an important thing that I realized. And also that you can't, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer that you should almost be 90% <laughs> intuition and maybe 10% logic, but the intuition can't happen. You can't feel intuitively what should be going on if there's no stillness. Mm -hmm. So women are working so hard all the time and there's no break and there's no blah, blah, blah. So that the intuition cannot come to you when you're busy like a crazy hamster on a wheel right? Absolutely. So you yeah. need that time where you have downtime so you can have a damn thought and think, hold on, let me feel how this feels. Do I even want to do this? Is yeah. this even something I want to embark on? You know, and you don't, women don't often give themselves that time to reflect and say, or like, do I want to work with this man? This man that just came in here and tried to power struggle me across the table. Do I even want this man's money? Like maybe I don't.
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I get that's what you can't listen unless you tone down the background noise. But we don't because I think also we use that background noise as a shelter to make us feel like we are being busy or we're working hard and we are trying and making an effort to really get to where we want to. But again, there is no amount of effort, hard work, business books or skills or classes you take that are going to get you to your desired outcome if your mindset is not in alignment. And if you're also not internally in tune with who you truly are and what you're trying to attract. And I've learned that the hard way, going back to the hard lesson is that I had to be like, wow, I'm I'm kind of the reason why a lot of my you know failures happened because I was operating, like you said, like a hamster in a in a wheel, but I didn't, I wasn't intentional. I, I wasn't taking time to really reflect on why I was doing what I was doing. I wake up and I'm like on auto drive, like I'm just go, 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 go mode because I felt like that's what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. because that's what success is about. It's about hard work and never taking a day off. And then sh- showing that as like a proud, you know, moment, like, look at me, I'm overworking. I'm going meeting after meeting after meeting. I don't even have time to eat lunch. All that stuff I was so proud of. Yeah, and, we're glam- and glamorize like, that shit. We glamorize the hell out of, I'm so busy. Yeah. Busy. but it's I'm working toxic- all the time. It's absolutely the toxic hustle culture that I think also came out of social media where now you kind of follow all these extremely busy slash powerful, successful, motivational gurus that are always out there. You got to outwork your company. You know, they're yelling at you every time you turn on your Instagram, you're scrolling through all these reels and it's like, work, work, work. You can't let your competition outwork you. You cannot take a day off. Listen, hard work is important. Effort is important, but you have to understand that there are two types of efforts. There's effort that is only going to continue draining you and it's not intentional and it's only going to burn you out because you're you're just going, it's going to go getting in your car and just driving with no direction at all until you run out of fuel. Or there is intentional effort, an effort that is good because it comes from a place of alignment. You know why you need to make that effort. You know why you need to take that action because you listen to yourself. Your intuition is screaming, saying, this is the route where you're going. This is the direction we're going. This person we're not working with and it's and we're okay with that. That person seems great. Let's go there. Like, And that's how you operate. And you know, they don't teach you that anywhere, actually. It's like more about the practical hard skills, practical advice that is about, you know, taking more business classes, learning more, which are very important, of course. But there is, I think, this other side that is all about stillness and feeling so trusting of who you are in the process that is going to take you where you want to be, that there is nothing that's going to come at you out of nowhere. that's going to shake you out of your element. And that's right now where I'm at in life. That's the phase I'm in where I'm learning to be very grounded to the point where there is no distraction or any outside event or any barrier or any obstacle that comes my way that I'm not prepared to face without letting it affect me internally. That's amazing. That's because that's, listen, that's a hard one lesson right there. Like (laughs) being able to kind of weather the different things that are coming and knowing you have full capability to handle whatever, whatever comes your way. What, who has been your greatest, greatest mentor? Have you had like, I mean, and maybe sometimes I ask them this question and they're like, Liz, I did not have a mentor. I had to mentor my own, but 
from the ground up, which, you know, is totally a great answer. But did you have anybody that kind of mentored you and kind of showed you the way? I, I wouldn't say directly mentored me. I don't have anyone that has been kind of someone that I check in with and ask questions. You know, I have, of course, I've had advisors over time. I had people that I went to for advice. So I have a great community that, you know, I turn to based on a question or a potential issue at large. But someone that I consistently kind of call or go to, I think more like sporadic, but I obviously besides my close friends, therapist and, and family. But I do think that what I do for myself as, you know, when I do seek mentorship, I, when I read about other people or listen to other people's stories, I try to use that as a, a mentoring moment. So they don't necessarily need to hold my hand or call right. me on the phone and tell you, tell me exactly what I need to do, but I'm really able to extract mentorship from people just by reading their stories. Lived example. Yeah. And, what, yeah. and so it can be really lead, like looking at people that lead by example and then using them as my, I would say, indirect mentors. And also that's kind of what in a way Sway was based upon is content mentorship, because a lot of women come on Sway and share their stories and, you know, expertise. They share their journeys across the board. They talk about topics that are that that are close to them or that they're passionate about and so other women are able to read those stories and extract mentorship moments out of it and i think that also expands your pool of potential mentors as opposed to needing to call someone or someone needing to be next to you or in contact with you all the time to show you their rope which i don't even think is what really mentorship is about it's not someone to show you how to do things it's more like what can you learn from how other people failed and succeeded and you know how can you apply that to your own situation yeah and this podcast has been one big giant i mean mm -hmm. in case nobody in case everybody's listening don't, doesn't know this already this podcast is one big giant mentorship because i think learning about other women and how they've triumphed where they have leaped for greatness where it's not gone the way they thought and it, what they had to pivot out whatever that was in the lessons that's that to me is how i learned I didn't have a mentor either. And that's how I learned. I now have a mentor coach, which is nice. I've never had that before. And it's uncomfortable in some ways because I've been going it alone my my whole life and really like teaching myself. So having this mentor person that I can actually ask things to, sometimes I'm like, I don't ask her anything because I just want her to think I have it all together. And I was like, yeah. I actually was laughing with her. I was like, I'm over here not asking you because I want you to think I've got it all together. And she was like, okay, that's hilarious because hello, I'm here. So I think that's it's important. Kind of not the point of a mentor. That's yeah. Yeah, and, you, and women are afraid to ask for help. I mean, I coach women yeah. out of that all the time. Like we, we think it's a bad thing. It's like not a bad thing. It's like, my God, if it's going to shorten the traje trajectory of whatever you're doing, do it, ask for the help, right? Like, I mean, please, no shame in that game. So you've done so many things. What do you want your legacy to be? I think for me, really breaking the stereotypes, a lot of stereotypes, because I feel like that's really been my story so far. And I was kind of pushed into that unknowingly. But I always remember growing up, I was always really trying to be the smart kid in the class. But I also was always about, you know, not not losing touch with my femininity and being able to to be an example of someone who has been able to defy the, the feminine stereotypes or you know the stereotypes that women are struggling with and really showed a, a a true example of someone who's able to do it not do it all as in like I'm gonna be it all but you know being being 
someone who's feminine and still powerful and not losing touch with what makes you a great woman, but also still operating with as much power as men have, you know, which I think we're going to struggle. Sometimes I struggle with that constantly with how much aggressiveness or assertiveness do I show versus how much nurturing and warmth do I show? And it's always, I feel like then now as women are stepping into more leadership roles, as women are defying the traditional gender roles as well. I think we're still in that phase where we're trying to figure out what is the fine balance between you know, being too likable or not being likable at all, or being too powerful or not being too feminine. So it's like, to me, that is an interesting paradox that I'm still trying to navigate. And ultimately, I, I want to emerge as, you know, my legacy being as someone who was able to be an example of, of of someone who hasn't let that that stereotype hold them back. I know I went through a lot of examples and situations where, you know, Sometimes people are like, you're not, you don't look like a woman in tech or people are not going to take you seriously because, you know, you're not, you don't look like a woman in tech or, or just things that really don't make any sense at all. And that's what I want to get rid of. I want to be at a place where we can get rid of comments like that, you know, because we are seeing more and more women who, quote unquote, don't look like women in tech, but are killing it in tech. And, and that shouldn't even be a comment that even pops in someone's head, but it's a bias that we all probably have internally. So being able to have a legacy around this topic and really lead the conversation forward on that end is obviously something um, I'm heavily working towards. But of course, I think to me, creating something that is valuable to my community and making an impact, whether directly or indirectly, whether it's through my story or through me working with people in, in person, which I've done for a long time, whether it's through medical missions, now with Sway on the women's space. So always really being involved as a change agent in my community and making sure that whatever I do and put my heart in also has somewhat of an impact in the world. I love that. All right. It's time for the speed round. Oh. Are you ready? It's like a game show. All right. Uh, but it's all it is. You just have to fill in the blank. I'm going to make it easy for you. So okay. I'm going to say something and you fill in the blank. I am learning that. I am powerful. Woo. Yes. <laughs> when I feel lost, I. I meditate. God, isn't the meditating. It's so funny. I went kicking and screaming into this meditating thing. Now I'm like, oh my God, if I don't do it, I'll die. Like, I just love it. I love it. I am a woman who? I am a woman who wants to make an impact. There you go. Right there. I am proud of the fact that I? That I survived a lot of storms and I'm still powering through many more. You will still be standing. Yeah. <laughs> I always say... Listen more than you speak. Love that. I'm really excited about my my future and the projects uh, I'm going to continue building and the impact I'm going to still try to be making. Well, I really appreciate you coming on this show because you are busy. You have a lot going on and you have a lot of impact to make. So yeah. thank you so much for impacting us. And for telling your story and this book and all the amazing things you're doing with Sway. So thank you for standing up for all the women out there who are feeling like they're alone in their entrepreneurial journey. We appreciate you. So thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. And thanks, thanks for giving me the platform to continue sharing my story and continue making that impact. I'm so excited to be here. And thanks again for having me.
Absolutely. And thank you everyone for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.